Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Like I said, it's good to be back. We had a good vacation. We had a good uh, ski trip, uh, Pastor Greg and, and his two sons, and my other son, Steve, and his wife and her mother and their two boys. We had a great time skiing, but I tell you what, it's good to be home. When church is going on here, it doesn't matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about what's going on here. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Turn with me in your Bible today to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. There's something I want to talk about today, and I want to use Mark 11 as a springboard uh, into that, <clears throat> Mark chapter 11, and let's begin in verse number 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, I want to focus on verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Notice how many times the word you is in this verse. Count them for me. Therefore I say to you, that's one. Whatever things you ask, that's two. When you pray, three, believe that you receive them. And, and then five, you will have them. Faith is designed for you. The faith of God was created, it was designed with you in mind. Faith is for you. He said in verse 22, have faith in God. We know from looking at the original Greek text, you know the Bible, the New Testament was originally, was originally written in Greek. We know that in the original Greek that this actually says have the faith of God, have the faith of God, or you could say it like this, have the God kind of faith, that's pretty bold, have the God kind of, have God's faith, God made his faith available to us and has instructed us to have it, to lay hold of it, now a lot of people have the idea that God just especially blesses some people and just especially enables them to have a lot of faith. And other people, along this same uh, line of reasoning, other people are not so especially blessed of God with extraordinary faith. But faith doesn't come because of God's direction. You know, or I say it like this, God's not the determining factor whether or not a person has faith. Anybody... God's not the determining factor. He doesn't decide who has faith. He doesn't decide who has great faith and who has weak faith. 
Who has strong faith? Who has weak faith? Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Well, I would say that's strong faith. The God kind of faith. He said, have it. Well, if he said, have it, it must be available. Amen. This book that I was talking about this morning, if you'll read it, if you don't have it, go in the bookstore and buy it if you're not a, a guest of ours today. And it'll tell you how to lay hold of that faith. I don't have time to go into all of that today. But the point I want you to see is that faith is for you. Faith is not primarily designed for you to use on other people. I said faith is not primarily designed for you to use your faith on other people. Faith is designed for you to use for yourself in things that you asked for. Notice he said, therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Faith, again, faith is is primarily designed for you to go to God in prayer and to ask for things and receive them on the basis of your faith. Now, the... The most basic or most fundamental aspect of faith, we we couldn't go, we couldn't read this verse and not deal with the most fundamental and most important aspect of faith, and that is, when do you believe that you receive something? You know, most people, now you might think this is, if you've been coming to our church for any length of time, you might think, well, I've heard this, but you know, most people haven't heard this. That's right, most people haven't heard what I'm about to say. Most people, even most Christians, if you ask them, let's say a person has a need in their life and they go to the Lord in prayer for that need. Let's, let's just, it could be any kind of need. But let's just say, for instance, it's uh, something has come up in someone's life, a great unexpected financial need. Have you ever had that happen to you before? When just sort of out of the blue, Sort of, you know, a, a great financial need has come up something that, that you are, that you've got to have more money than you see any way of putting your hands on in the short term. You've got this need coming up and uh, you don't have any, you know, all of your money's budgeted. Does anybody have a budget? All your money's budgeted, you know where everything's going, and yet this unusual need has arisen. You know, maybe it's a medical expense, or maybe it's some kind of a, a, a unusual family situation. It could be any number of things. Maybe your, 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 auto, your transmission just suddenly goes out on your automobile. Well, you weren't expecting that, isn't that right? So now you've got this big financial need. Well, you go to the Lord in prayer, you say, Lord, I, I, I don't know how, <clears throat> how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get my car fixed. I don't have the money. And so you take that to the Lord in prayer. That's a good thing to go to the Lord in prayer about. Amen. And like I said, it could be any kind of financial need or any kind of other need. But most people, when they go to the Lord in prayer and they ask the Lord, Lord, help me uh, come up with the money. Help me to find the money. You know, supply my need. Do something so that I'll be able, when when I get my car out of the shop next week, you know, the, the, the mechanic's going to want to be paid. Lord, you got to help me. I'm trusting you to, to, to help me have the money. If you ask 
the average person, excuse me just a minute while I take a drink of water. That's good. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's better. If you ask the average Christian, when are you going to believe you have that money? When are you going to believe you've received your answer? Most Christians will say, well, when it shows up. I'm going to ask him and I'll I'll know I have it when I see it. That's the way, I'm telling you, that's the way most Christians approach anything they ask of the Lord. They ask and then they wait until something happens and when something happens that indicates that, that their prayer has been answered, then they become joyful, then they give the Lord praise, then they tell people about it. Oh, I, I prayed and the Lord gave, you know, supplied my need and, and uh, you know, this great thing has come to pass in my life. They're waiting until that happens before they believe anything. But that's not how faith works. You will not get answers to prayer that way. You say, well, if that's, if that's the case and most people are doing it, then most people aren't getting their prayers answered. Right on. Most Christians, if you, if you ask them to be... Now, most Christians believe in prayer. You see the bumper stickers. Prayer changes things. Every Christian believes in prayer. <clears throat> but for most Christians, it's basically therapy. It's just therapeutic. I have this need and so I pray about it and I feel better that I've prayed about it. And if again, if you ask most Christians, okay, I want you to think about the specific things you've asked for in the last 30 days. How many of them have come to pass? Most Christians would go, well, uh, uh, not many. Are you out there? That's, that's the truth. Most Christians don't get their prayers answered. Now, thank God they believe in prayer and thank God they're praying. But Jesus said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That sounds like God will do it. That sounds like God intends for us to get our prayers answered. Amen. Hold your place here. Go over to uh, John. I love this verse. Go over to John chapter 15. Verse 23. I I just like the way this is written. It's saying the same thing. But to me, it's more forceful. Jesus said in that day, of course, if you look at the context, he's talking about the day in which we live now, the day of the church. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Does that sound like God is gonna sometimes answer you and sometimes not answer you? There's this little cute religious saying, you've heard it before. 
I heard it all the time. I, I mean, I almost thought it was in the Bible. But there was this little phrase that people had about prayer. They, they, and it went like this. They said in the church that I grew up in, God always answers our prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says wait a while. You ever heard that before? Well, if he says no or wait a while, he didn't answer your prayer. I mean, if you're thinking about your, the answer being getting what you asked for, what is that? All that saying is, is an excuse, some way to rationalize why people aren't getting their prayers answered. Well, now, he always answers your prayers, brother. Don't feel bad about it. God always answers, but sometimes he says yes, sometimes he said no, sometimes he says wait a while. In your case, he said no. <laughs> So he answered you, he just said no. Is that what Jesus said here? He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he might give it to you, or he might not. Is that what he said? He might give it to you, or he might not give it to you, or he might just wait a while. No, he said, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So I said all that to say that God intends, prayer was designed for us to go to, to God and ask for the things that we need in expectation that he would give it to the, us when we pray. Now notice what he said in Mark 11. Go back to Mark 11. Like I said, if you ask most people, well, when are you gonna believe you have your answer? Most Christians will say, well, when it comes, when the financial need is met or my healing, you know, I've, I've got a, you know, a rash on my, on my arm and I ask God to heal it. I go up for prayer and so I'll, I'll know I'm healed when the rash goes away. Well, that's, that's natural logic. Isn't that right? That's natural logic. If I ask Greg, you know, if, if he would wash my truck, uh, you know, I'll believe it when, when he washes it. Because I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm asking Greg to do something for him. He hasn't promised to do that. I've just asked him to do it. I'm just taking that as an example. How will I, how will I, is your truck washed? Well, I don't know. Let me go look at it. No, nope, it's not washed yet. That's natural reasoning. But you see, that's not what Jesus said, Mark 11. He said, I say to you, Whatever things you ask, notice, when you pray, or you can say when you ask, whatever things you ask, when you ask, when you ask, believe that you receive them. When you ask, right then, before you see anything, before you get off your knees, before you say amen, right then, when you ask, Believe that you receive it. Now notice, and you will have them. He said you will have them. That's future tense. That means you don't have them yet. He said you will have them. But before you have them, you have to believe that you've received them. Do you get that? When you pray, right then, when you pray, 
Whatever you've asked for, believe that you've received it right then without any evidence, without seeing it, without anything changing on your skin if you had a skin rash, without seeing any money, you know, for the car, without seeing anything change right then when you pray, believe it's yours. Say, Father, I've asked for it, so I believe it's mine. I thank you for it. You see, you give God thanks ahead of time. Faith thanks God before it sees anything. I said, faith thanks God before it sees anything. Doesn't need any other evidence. What's, well, what is the basis for thanking God? What is the basis for you believing that you have it? Why, why, how can you believe you have it when you don't see it? See, this, people stumble over this. How in the world, how is it logical for me to believe I've received it when I don't have it? I can look at my arm, I can still see the rash. It still itches. My car's still in the shop. I still don't have the money. What is the logic, what is the rationale for me saying, well, I just believe I've received it. How can you do that? It's based on who told you. Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Whatever things you ask when you pray, he said, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You have God's God's word on it. Faith is all about taking God at his word. Did he mean what he said? Did he say you could have it? If he said you could have whatever you asked for when you pray, then you can have it. Jesus said, we looked at it over in John 15. He said, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. He will give it to you. Now, there there are always people who will go to, to an extreme in a case and here's the extreme. They will ask for things that are, un, that are unscriptural. You have to understand that when Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He, took, he said that in the context of whatever things are consistent with the Bible. Go with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And look at verse number 14. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Now notice how similar this sounds to what we just read. But he adds something here. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, now notice, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. See, that's saying the same thing. Whatever we ask, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have it. How do you know it? Because you can see it? No, but because God said it. That's how we know it, because God said he would do it. He said it's ours. It's just a matter of us believing that we've received it. But in this verse, he adds this important thing. He said, if we ask anything according to his will, 
So whenever he says, whatever, whatever things you desire when you pray, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He's talking about whatever is according to the will of God. Now, you know, people, people sometimes will ask for things that aren't scriptural. Uh, I mean, I, I've known of people that have asked for, for outlandish things. Things that the Bible didn't promise them. The Bible didn't promise them. Go with me over to, uh, go to Second Peter. Look at Second Peter, the first chapter. And look at verse number two. Second Peter, one, two. Are you out there today? Verse two says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now notice real carefully. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look, drop down to verse four. By which are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There have been given unto us, he said, exceedingly great and precious promises. And these promises, according to verse three, cover all things that pertain to life and godliness. I have found out that everything in life that is a legitimate need and everything that that would bring fulfillment in my life and joy in my life, everything pertaining to life, God has promised me. There are promises that cover every area area of our lives. You can't have a need. You can't face a situation that God has not already covered in his word and he's told you exactly what his will is. Well, how are you gonna find that out? You have to get into the Bible. You have to get into the word of God if you're gonna find out what the promises are. And if you don't know his promises, if you don't know his word, you don't know what to ask for. There, listen, there's no danger of the things you need and the things that are good in life. There's no danger that God didn't cover that. There's no danger, there's no risk that, that he hasn't promised that. He has. And if you find out what his word says, then you take that promise to God and you say, Lord, you, in your word, which is your will, your will says that you want me to have this that this belongs to me. There's a great and precious promise about this area in my life. And so I I know it's your will, so I know you're hearing me. And so I know that I have what I asked for. But you know, like I said, some people uh, not knowing the word of God will ask for things that that aren't covered. For instance, I knew a man one time and and he, he claimed that God was gonna cause him to win the, uh, the uh, Reader's Digest sweepstakes. He said, you watch, they're gonna knock on my door with a big check, you know. 
They're coming to my house. He said, because I asked the Lord for that. I asked the Lord that I would win the, uh, the Reader's Digest sweepstakes and they're coming to my house. It's mine. I asked the Lord for it. He said I could have anything I asked for. The only problem is there's nowhere in the Bible where God promised us that we're going to win the Reader's Digest sweepstake. See, now that's different than the person asking for a financial need to be met. The person whose car, you know, is in the shop, the transmissions, you know, uh, needs to be rebuilt. God did promise to meet all of our needs. Well, that's a need. I mean, you can't get along without an automobile. Isn't that right? You have to have an automobile. And, and, and just having an automobile is not any good if it doesn't have a transmission in it. Isn't that right? That, he said that my God will supply, this is a, one of those great and precious promises, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He did not say according to the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. He said that God will supply your need. He didn't say it would come through the Reader's Digest sweepstake. Sweepstake, isn't that right? This man had fixated on, you know, that Jesus said you can ask anything. And, and he forgot that part that it said was according to his will. It's, it's not necessarily the will of God that I win the sweepstakes. It is the will of God that I prosper. It is the will of God that I have all of my needs met. It is the will of God that I have abundance. The promises of God not only promise our basic needs, the promises of God cover abundance, an abundant supply. The, the Bible promises me that. But it doesn't tell me how that supply is gonna come. It might come through the sweepstake if you entered it. Or it might come, you know, through uh, what Pastor Greg was talking about this morning. Someone just, God just lays it on their heart to, to you know, to help you with your automobile. Or it could be that you go to pick up the automobile and the mechanic says, you know what, there's no charge. I was using this, you know, to train my associate and uh, I, we just want to donate this. to I th You think that's outrageous. I've had that happen before. Uh, Pastor Angela, we were facing a medical bill one time. We didn't have any health insurance. She had to have some surgery. We didn't have health insurance and the doctor just wrote it off. Just wrote it, just wrote the whole thing off. Didn't charge us anything. So that, that's God supplying our need. We didn't know how, see, we didn't claim the doctor's gonna write off our charge. I don't have the right to claim that. I did have, and we did have, and we did, we did claim that our need was met. We had a financial need. We didn't know how we were gonna pay for and, and And we didn't know where the money was coming from. We didn't have the money, and we were just thanking God for it. Why? Because we asked when we, des when we prayed, we believed we received it. We thanked God for it. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. It didn't look like we, anything had changed. I didn't have any more money. But when we went to the doctor, he said, no charge. Praise God. Let God do it the way he wants to do it. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, the, the only way you'll know whatever things belong to you, like I said, is getting into the word of God. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Now, what about, what about ministering to other people? This is really what I wanted to get into today. I wanted to lay a foundation because there are always people who, you know, newer people or different ones, you know, haven't heard the basics. 
So you have to know how faith works for yourself. But what about ministering to other people? When can your faith work for the other guy? Like I said to begin with, our faith is primarily designed to work for us. I said it like this, your faith is designed to work for you. My faith is designed to work for me. Her faith is designed to work for her. That's why God gave us faith. And we're all responsible. Amen. I grew up in a culture, and maybe you did too, if you went to church, you know, in most places, where, where uh, you know, we, we had prayer requests, and every, it seemed like we had an, an abundance of people sick and in need all the time in our church. And so there we were always praying for sister so-and-so, sister this one and sister that one. And then we had this neat little thing we did and we said, how many, you know, we'd have prayer requests and people would raise their hands and they'd say, we'll pray for, you know, Brother Jones or, you know, Sister Mary. Or, and, uh, and then they'd always end it by saying, how many unspoken requests? Did anybody else come from that culture? Anybody here? If you did, raise your hand. Unspoken, yeah, that's pretty widespread. People would say, how many unspoken requests? And virtually, if you were there, you remember, everybody's hands would go up. How many unspoken requests? Everybody's hands go up. You know, there is no such thing as an unspoken request. (laughs) I'll say it like this. There might be an unspoken request, but there are no answers. There are no answers to unspoken requests. Well, what's God gonna do? Well, God knows what I mean. He knows what my need is. The Bible doesn't say that, that whatever your need is when you pray. He said whatever you ask. Ask and you shall receive. Not fantasize. Not dream. Not hope. Not imagine. Not think about it. Ask and you shall receive. So people would raise their hand and say, oh, we've got unspoken requests. And, and uh, when I found out, you know, more about this, our church still did it, you know, the church I went to, and I would just laugh to myself, unspoken requests get unspoken answers. <laughs> In other words, God just, God can't move. Amen. But, but uh, so your faith is designed to work for you, but most of the time we were trying to use our faith on one another. Amen. We were, I said it again, we were trying to use our faith on one another. And let me say it even a little stronger. Most people in the church, when they had a need, they wanted to ride on other people's faith. I've noticed around here, we have, we have, uh, we take prayer requests and occasionally there's, there's a need in our church. Someone has a need. If you listen to the prayer requests, if you just go back and think about it, the majority of the prayer requests that come before us are for people outside our church. And most of the time they're for people who don't know. They don't know how to get their needs met. You see, your, your faith is designed to work for you and God expects you to use your own faith. He does. Now, there's nothing wrong with with us praying for one another because James talks about praying for one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Remember that in James chapter five? So the Bible tells us to pray for one another, but it does not tell us to coast on other people's faith. 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I go to visit people sometimes in the hospital and, and to be frank with you, a, a lot of the times it's just downright aggravating. Not going, but what I find out when I get there. I'll go to visit somebody in the hospital, somebody in my own church. And they're laying up in the hospital. There's not a Bible anywhere to be found. There's not a Christian book anywhere to be found. And they've got the TV on. And I can't even talk to the person because of the dumb TVs blaring. I mean, I can't even get to have a conversation. I've had to ask people, would you turn that off? They're not building their faith. They're not, they're not, they're, they're not spending their, their time in fellowship with the Lord. I'll tell you an example of this lady right here. Wave your hand. What's your name? Paula. <laughs> Paula. And, and I don't have that many examples. And so when they do, they, 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 they stick out because we don't have that many people in, in the church in the hospital. But I remember distinctly going to, to, to visit Paula and it was such a joy to visit her in the, in the hospital because she didn't have the TV on. Listen, there's nothing wrong with watching TV. I might walk into your room, you have the TV on, that's not the issue. <laughs> Don't be paranoid. Uh, Keep the remote right handy. (laughs) Pastor's coming. Turn it off. (laughs) He'll think I'm backslidden. (laughs) No. But the point was, she had her Bible. If it wasn't open on her lap, it was was on her chair. and, and, And everything coming out of her mouth was what the Bible said, what God had promised her. I could tell, you know, she's living in this. She's living in this. Oh, what a difference it makes. You can pray with people like that. Glory to God. She knew what the Bible promised her. She knew what belonged to her. She knew what her request was. She knew that she had prayed. All I did was just say, praise the Lord. You're right, sister. Glory to God. See, God expects us to use our own faith for ourselves. Go with me over to, uh, there's a, a scripture that sort of hints at this. Go over to Hebrews uh, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 5, I'm just going to pick up in the middle of verse 11 because it won't, it won't hurt the context to do that. Verse 11 says, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Woo, isn't this exciting? Pastor's talking about being dull. Since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Notice there's a time Notice there's a time when we ought to be strong in faith. There's a time when we ought to uh, know, go, go beyond the first principles. 
Go down to chapter six, verse one. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. He called it first principles in chapter 12, or verse 12. And then in verse one here, he talks about elementary principles. He said, let us go on to to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Notice faith toward God is a fundamental principle that we ought to have established in our lives. And he said, there's a time when you ought to. You ought to be at a place where you could teach others instead of having someone teach you again. Like I said, in the church that I grew up in, most people were wanting to ride on everybody else's faith. And they were trusting that if they could, here was the idea, if we can just get enough people praying. You ever, you ever uh, heard about these, you ever been, been confronted with these prayer chains? You know, someone, you know, if it was, a, if it was just something small, you know, they just turn in a prayer request. Everybody'd pray, but it never worked because the person wasn't in faith. Neither was the, neither were the people who prayed. But if it was something real big, you know, some like a big need, something you know, like a, a real tragedy had befallen someone. Maybe it was life threatening. Then they'd want to get everybody in the church, you know, to sign up on this prayer chain. We need everybody pray, and then they would have now now contact other churches you know. You know, if you know another church where people believe in prayer, contact them. And we'd get all the people in that church praying. And then, and it's like a network. And the idea was, you know, if you get all these people praying, surely it has to come to pass. Because you've got, you know, I've, I used to hear them say, I know, boy, God's gonna move. We've got, we've got three or four different churches praying about this. Well, la dee da that doesn't mean anything. Jesus told us how to get our prayers answered. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it. So there isn't any, there isn't any, any faith in thinking that the more people you get praying, the more results you're gonna have. There's no faith in that. It's not according to the Bible. It's not how many people you pray. You only need somebody that believes God. And it ought to start with you. And the time, he said, the time comes when God expects you to be able to live on your own faith. Well, isn't this good news? But, but I found out people don't like responsibility. They, they want to depend on somebody else. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, let's stand. Glory to God. You say, that's an abrupt end to your message. Well, you know, I'm a pastor. I have next time. <laughs> Amen. These are things that we have to deal with. God expects us to use our own faith. We'll get into using our faith for others. There is a, there is a place for that. I said that our faith is primarily designed to use on ourselves. But that doesn't mean we can't pray for one another. It does mean that we all have the responsibility to grow up. See, in the church that I came from, here's the difference. You could have a church of people that are full of faith and you have an individual that is, that is attacked 
And so they want their brothers and sisters to join their faith with theirs. There's a place for that because the individual in need, they're exercising Bible faith, but there is the prayer of agreement. Where if two or three, uh, uh, Jesus said, if two or three on earth agree as touching anything they ask, it'll be done for them. There is the prayer of agreement. And James said to pray for one another. There, a lot of times, the, way, the reason we have to pray for one another is it's not sometimes a lack of faith. There are other things going on. There are other things that, that the Spirit of God needs to deal with concerning a particular need. So very often we're not just praying and, and claiming that person's healing or that person's deliverance from a certain thing. We're, tra- we're praying about the situation. There's a difference. But you see, when you have a church where, where no one is expected to stand on their own and every time something comes up, you want the rest of the church to pray, you know, it, it's not gonna work. I said, it won't work. It'll work for a little while. I mean, I'll put it that way. It'll work when someone are, when a person is a genuine, bona fide baby Christian and he doesn't know any better, it'll work, but it'll only work for a while. I've, I've known of, of believers that when, when they first got saved and they first got into the church or were first learning about these things, you know, I could pray for them and agree with them on things. And I mean, it, they just get it, just it, the, the answer would come, they'd receive. But I noticed over a period of time, I became less and less effective with that person. Because, why? Because God expects us to grow up. He expects us to learn to use our own faith so that we are one of the strong ones to help carry those when they are bona fide baby Christians. We will always have baby Christians, and I don't mean that as an insult. You know, there's nothing insulting about a baby. Babies are wonderful. We don't look down on babies. No one brings a baby to the church and we look at it and say, what is wrong with that baby? Why are they still a baby? They're a baby because they're a baby. Well, spiritually speaking, we're supposed to grow up. Now, we do feel sorry for that baby if it never grows. Something's wrong with it and never moves out of that babyhood stage. Then we have reason to be concerned. Well, in a church, a lot of times, the churches I grew up in, it was full of spiritual babies and everybody knew that or or thought that when they have a need in their life, you know, I'll just get sister so-and-so and and brother so-and-so because they know how to pray. I'll get them to pray for me and God will answer their prayer and and God will heal me or or meet my need based on brother so-and-so's prayer. And And the reality is it rarely ever worked because God expects us to grow up. Well, amen. This is a good primer. We're talking about how our faith can work for others. We'll get to that. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. There's some good instruction this morning. Amen. Whatever you ask, when you pray, right then, believe you receive it right then. Before you get off your knees, believe it. Just say, Lord, I thank you that I have received this need. I have received my answer. I have received my healing. I have received my money for my transmission. I have received my, my, my uh, answer to my prayer. My mother-in-law is gonna move out of my house and, and set me free. Praise God, I believe it. <laughs> no, whatever you're praying, you believe you receive it. Amen. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, you will have it. 
you will have it. Glory to God. The, the manifestation of that is coming. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.